because if you don't recycle it, it will break down in, for the next hundreds of years. And that will be a big issue that I, I really believe is, is not uh, addressed enough. The whole microplastic situation is very serious. Um, we're all going to still feel the consequences of that um, on a dimension that I think we, we can't even comprehend yet. And that those children will go home and uh, they will challenge their parents to behave better. We've got some, we've got some amazing kids here. We've seen that whenever we do go out, it's, they, they want to learn and they want to live in a clean environment and they, they want to they, they have a better world. So they must just go home and tell their parents. They must demand it from them. They messed it up, so now they, they can help with a cleanup. Hi everyone, I'm Pietrus, and today my Monday blues are being rescued by some cute seal puppy videos. Worldview, of course, is a podcast where we explore everyone's perspectives on all things that can broaden our worldview. If you've watched any of my content so far and liked it, please consider liking this video, subscribing, and donating on Patreon. Today we're talking with Nodia and Katja Dreyer. Nodia has been involved with environmental projects his whole life, and Katja is a political scientist who knows the workings of non-government organizations and their importance in a functioning society. They are both part of Ocean Conservation Namibia, an organization that promotes environmental awareness and aims to rescue as many seal and other ocean life as possible from undeserving situations. Nadia, Katya, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. So, I mean, I think most people that, you know, would either know already who you are or maybe coming this from this video from what we've shared uh, may have seen some of the videos you've shared. I don't know how many videos it looks like almost to, close to 100 since November 2019 about um, you saving uh, basically seals from a wide variety of different ocean debris uh, that they've been caught up in. And and some of these seals are on pretty bad scenarios. You've got like quite quite nice wide range of variety of, you know, seal pups to adult, you know, bulls and, and females and so that have all been rescued but just to give an idea of terms of you know the organization itself that the surrounding you know motivation behind the channel and of course yourselves that you're uploading these from what exactly is ocean conservation namibia could you just give a, a summary of what the organization does in total yeah sure um ocean conservation namibia is is is, is basically more a, a bit of an initiative um, we started it uh, officially as an organization, actually only um, right before Corona started. So as an organization, we are not, we're not very old, but the seal rescues have been happening for, for quite some time. Um, and that's actually uh, Nodea's department. He started those seal rescues. Yeah, but about eight years ago, the first one happened and it, it, it just became, it was an opportunistic thing. We'd find these seals, we'd look for them. And the more we looked for them, the more we were finding, the bigger we realized the problem was becoming and uh, started committing more time to this. I was lucky to be working in the area, but um, it got to a point where I'd come home every day with stories to catch and we, we'd, we'd sit and uh, basic, we, we basically got to a point where we realized this, we've been given this um, opportunity through social media to, to have our voice heard and um, everyone loves a seal rescue. Um, it's a feel good story. And uh, through that, we, we decided to, to um to pursue this on a full-time basis about uh, about two years ago and we got the ball rolling just before corona started yeah. and um yeah one thing led to another and, and here we are 
And it's, it's interesting because you're saying, you know, it's, it's a feel-good story, of course, but in some of those scenarios where you see some, especially the thinner fish line that cut extremely deeply and hurt these animals quite intensely, you know, it's, it's sometimes a bit jarring as well. Like, you know, you feel good at the fact that the animal has been saved and it's, you know, doing better, of course, but it's still incredibly hurt. And I know from the original video that you posted, you said that you had a kayaking business in the, in the area and you noticed these seals and that's when you started to rescue them. And did it, you know, the very, very first time, because I mean, by the, by the time we see the videos, you already have a net. You know, you guys look like professionals that you're doing this, of course. Um, but, you know, the very first one that you saw, you know, we've seen the ones where you just simply run up and then catch the seal by its tail or its zero feet. You'll have to explain how the anatomy works, of course. But, you know, you just catch it and then you just get the scissors and cut it down. How is that? How did that first one start? Like, what was what was just your thought of going in and saying, OK, this needs to be done. I need to get it out of it. And what tools did you have? It's actually fun now to uh, to to look back at, at those rescues as the first rescue attempt. Yeah, well, basically, um, it was more uh, not a um, it was just let's say more um, an animal a compassion issue seeing this animal in obvious distress, obvious life threatening danger. Um, just realizing, like having grown up around animals, and just realizing this this can't stay like this. I got to do what I can to try and get this thing out. So another guy and I, we saw this kayak, the seal in the water. We we're on kayaks. We managed to grab this piece of net. Pulled him out the beach. My line of work, I've always, always got a knife on me. I managed to cut him free and uh, felt great. So, okay, cool. Due to us, this thing is, uh, life has just been saved. And we decided uh, to to keep more of an eye out after that. Um, and like it just became more and more. But but yeah, the one thing that it was a, it was a massive turning point uh, in my life without, without me even knowing it. I mean, I mean, I the thing is, sorry, go ahead. There was a, there was a, a, a stage when it, it, it almost turned into an addiction. Um, you know, we, we, we have a lot of things to do. We're really busy people, but, but, but Nudir was always making time for, for a little quick trip out, even when, when a lot of other things were, were supposed to be done. And it, 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 it was also this feeling, if, if, if he didn't go out, that there's nobody else who will actually step in and help those animals. And we just, we, we knew if he doesn't go out, they will be there and they might never come back. We might never get a second chance. So it was a just a, a let, let's just quickly go just one more just one more, and that's that's like a drug. Yeah, really yes. like a like a drug. <laughs> and we always we, we always say it's a it's a um, it's a it, it's a quick solution to a complex problem because this this feel good situation is right there um, while obviously creating awareness for the bigger issue. But right in that situation, you've actually made a difference because this this just this tiny little cut that it very often is. An animal really gets a gets a second chance, and that is a, a very very addictive feeling. So we were, just, we were just lucky. Nadir's always been good about recording this with with his camera. He's always had his camera on him, and and luckily he uh, he started posting everything on social media because that's essentially without an agenda behind it, without knowing where this could actually lead. He just sort of increased um, his um, followers. And I, I didn't, I didn't even know what he was doing there because I, I wasn't actually on Instagram even. I didn't know. I had no clue that he was posting that. I was aware of the rescues, but not the social media side. And then um, that, that's basically what, what uh, um, got this whole thing started because people took note of, took, they noticed it from all over the world, and they wanted to uh, support it. And then we, we thought, okay, maybe, maybe this is actually big enough to, to warrant an organization. Maybe people are happy to, to help us do this. And, and. Um, the good news is that there are really a lot of people out there who are who are willing to support us. We wouldn't be able to do this if it wasn't for such an overwhelming support from everywhere. 
Yeah, and that, that's that's the thing is the, the immense amount of support. I mean, we see so many people, at least in the comment sections and on social media, from from what I've gathered, that are volunteering. You know, they 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 want to they want to get involved. They want to help you out. And you have such great teammates that you work with. You know, of course, I think there's uh, there's Denzel. You know, the Flash man. That that man's really quick as well. You know, you've got Wally. Um, you know, you've got uh, Tony as well. You've got all these group of people that are helping you out. And there's more people that likely would like to help out, especially when they see these type of videos and this, and this grouping this group following. But but probably they like to help in their area as well because I mean there's seals you know all along the coast. It's not necessarily just in Namibia. So you know just as a spinner for that because there's so many questions that I have for running the scenario. You know how dire is the situation for seals? I mean we, you evidently saw in your area the need for it and the increasing need for it, especially you know the the the, the, the big shipping route that goes past that skeleton coast, that that Pelican Point area. You know do you have some data, some stories, some stats to tell just how dire the situation is for seals? And perhaps you have some. some from you know wider area than just Namibia. So in um, in Namibia we've got about 1.3 million seals. Um, so that seal we save, we we're not saving the population, but we're not making a difference to make to the population. We're making a difference to that seal. Um, like I just said, we were trying to mitigate human inflicted damage. Now you asked you asked for stats. Um, this year, as of today, we are on 513 rescues for the year. Sorry, 5, 531. Um, last year, we had just over 600. And before that, when, 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 when we were still um, amateur, uh, we, I would say, probably around 700 total. So the, our numbers are, are racking up really quick. We can see the problem is, is bad. We also only have access to around around um i'd say probably 30 percent of the seals in namibia um so it's not to say it's also the waffles phase only big colony close to port but cape cross where we get just as many entanglements you 200 kilometers away from port so at that at that rate the problem should be be really really dire so we, we always wonder what happens to all the seals we just don't have access to the same in South Africa, um, we did a bit of an outreach trip um, in July, Antoine and I, and uh, in Hart Bay Harbor alone, we saw heaps of entangled seals. We managed to catch a few up on the west coast, um, in the Lambert's Bay on the Bird Island, found a bunch of entangled seals immediately, sort of got there and saw six or seven, but there's very strict regulations there. Namibia um, doesn't have as strict regulations, luckily. Um, and everything needs to be go through very official channels in South Africa. So we'd hope to be able to, to get up and do some work there, but um, it's not just they can't just sort of allow anyone to go into a sand parks park and do what they want by with us going in there. If they set the precedent, then it, it, it can become total chaos. So I understand that, but we're hoping to, to be able to get some more work done there. Um, yeah. As you said, safety is paramount. I mean, I know, for example, some of you have already been injured by this, but of course, you know, for the seals as well, people that are you know inexperienced in doing this might actually, in some cases, also cause perhaps even more harm if they're not doing it correctly. Is this something that Absolutely. you perhaps? I know we we'll, we will get to the education and the and the awareness um, talk later, but in terms of rescuing seals specifically, organization is this something that is done through training? Are you trying to get the organization sort of up so that you have access to areas like sand parks? Exactly. How does the organizational element, you know? tie in because i know from the first video you didn't even have the organization started up at that point yet no um so 
our, our organization came came much later. It was there is no um, seal rescues for dummies uh, book out there. Unfortunately, um, we just completely winged it, figured it out along the way on our own, um, learning by burning a lot, um, <laughs> and managed to. Um, it there was an organization. Uh, so Noah, the um, the, the animal seal rescue guys from the states somebody contacted me from there um jeff he does similar work with seals in in seattle and he sent us one of the old beaten up nets and this was an absolute game changer that allowed us to firstly be a lot safer safer for the seal safer for us and suddenly catch much bigger seals not just seals that we could only catch by hand um and basically it, it, it increased our, our rescues um tenfold i want to say so that was our biggest Game changer moment, and with that, we've now um, with with trying to 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 pay it forward. We that we see the importance of these nets. They're not cheap. We have them made in the states. Um, they're custom built to our specifications now, and we did hand a net over to um, the Heart Bay Seal Rescue Center with a bit of training on how to use this effectively. And love to be able to to empower more organizations to to do that. So these yeah, organizations you, are, you know, sorry, uh, go ahead. No, with a, wherever you go, there's different terrain, seals behave differently. So a little bit of a local element will always have to go into that. Um, but we've got, you know, we, our, our, our nets work very hard. Um, but just because we, we are deciding we're moving on to the next one, that doesn't mean the, the, the old net is out of order. And it's always the idea when we've got nets uh, to, to pass them on. Even if they're just used for a handful more rescues, it's still better than rotting away in our garage. And that's essentially the plan, just to, to see, travel around a little bit, see see where it's actually needed. I mean, before Nudir started this whole thing here, they, nobody even knew that there's a demand for that. So I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of hotspots. And there are also a lot of people out there who, who, who don't mind getting beaten up a little bit because our rescues, they come home every day and there, there was a little nip or there was a little scratch and there was a twisted knee. Uh, so you have to be very hard on yourself, but there are a lot of people out there who are very willing to do that, especially for good cause. So um, it would be great to move the, the nets over um, to as many people as possible. And you, and you don't just need one net. I mean, I've seen a, a couple of scenarios, especially with the bigger seals, where you actually specifically needed to. It was really good that you had that backup net available to be able to complete this. And if you didn't do it, you would have probably gotten away. So I mean, there's this scenario where there's yeah. so much more tooling required than, than one might think in the first place. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we if we go in at Cape Cross, we're expecting more than one rescue in a run. We'll actually be going in with six nets now, three big nets, three small nets, and and we've had situations where we've got all those nets full at the same time. That that's got to be very very intense. I could just imagine, you know, having the team split up, and then the you know, as especially see you, you know, capturing the smaller ones, and then that person running over to help with the bigger ones. So it's really as a coordinated team effort. There's some there's some extraordinary strategy and goes away that the way people you know get to know how these things work, and especially for the organizations, I think that might be something which is also equally important, making sure that these teams worked well together in a way to get the you know the maximum effect out of it. Um, I just want to talk a bit about the story specifically. I mean, there's there's been so many that I recommend people just you know if especially if they just want to have an, an, a, a, an uplifting video to watch um, on your on your channel but the ones that are actually the most interesting to me is that you'd think that after you know having having rescued so many seals like hundreds of seals that you've mentioned you know over 500 every single year 
you know, you'd, you'd think that a colony would after a while kind of start to recognize the work that you do in that scenario. And we've seen some videos of this where people, or you kind of, where it kind of like alludes to it, where a recapture that you did kind of immediately changed her reaction towards you once she realized who you were. And there's, there's an idea, there's a hope that they do recognize you, they do recognize the work that you do. Are some of these stories things that stick with you or is it more, you know, just the ones that are really bad that you then see are healthy again, that, that, that really stuck? No, we all have we all have sort of our our favorite rescue. Everybody's got a rescue that that is really uh, a little bit more intense than the others, and that's uh it's often for very uh, for very different reasons. I was just saying that on our actually our last uh, live Q and A. My my favorite rescue of all times was the the soccer net rescue, because it was right in the beginning when uh it's a, it's an old video from last year March or April. And I, I remember that it was just uh, uh, with Tony, we were driving on the beach and there was this big bundle of net with a seal in it. And we were, we were driving past and it's like, oh, it's dead, right? And we were like, oh yeah, ugh. And, uh, and just, we were, we were past it already. And just in the rear view mirror, we, we, could, we could see a tiny little bit of movement. And it was, it was absolutely amazing how, how quickly everything was up and running and how everybody stepped in and, and the excitement to get there on time. And even though she, she, she was a bit thin, um, after a lot of cutting through this um, this nylon, um, Sio jumped back into the water and, and, and jumping in the waves as, just to get this itch off her skin. It was like for me, it was it was really a rescue that that stuck with me. It was, it was a really nice one. Mm. Oh. Yeah, I think um, I think I'll. So I spent the whole afternoon, you know, since the whole weekend editing. Um, video that we last week monday mondays for some reason always our, our crazy days and last week monday we had a rescue that took 45 minutes um big seal two big fish hooks in one in its eyelid luckily not through the eye another one through its tongue very big seal and just the most intense and <laughs> i always say oh this has been the most intense rescue but this really was like we were so physically emotionally drained after that it was it was um, it was uh, it was a really feel good rescue and and people always think like um, but funny because I like the rescues that are really where the seals are really aggressive angry um, and that means that these guys still have fight in them those are the seals that are gonna especially the ones that you don't think are gonna be so strong and angry the thinner ones the ones that can still fight back so much and really make us work for it. Those are the ones that are going to survive. They've got that fighting spirit. They've got enough energy still in them to go back there, fatten up again, and, and survive. So those are those are the ones I like to deal with. It it is a bit like I mean, for example, there's one video there we uh, I mentioned the one with the recapture where the, where she recognized you, um, where you can see the the new skin that's growing over the deep gash uh, that that specific yeah. seal had. And in that scenario, there's obvious proof that these animals do heal quite well and and they're they're, they're quite resilient in the way that they re recover. Um, but you know, you've had stories on your channel, for example, where you had you know mass dying out of seals due to starvation. You know, you've you've had um, ones that you found that that died because of their wounds from these type of things uh, do you have an idea in terms of the success rate once you've rescued an animal what what is its chances of surviving i know it obviously you know depends on the injury but do you have an idea of, of when you capture one that it's that is that is too late well I, I i purely go on the statistic that we are out there most days of the year and we still have not we found dead seals that are entangled but they've got entanglements those are ones we haven't found We've never found a dead seal on the beach 
that has died from an entanglement that it's been cut off already. It, it, it's honestly, I don't know if there's someone collecting them at night, or but we have actually never found a seal that we've been through before. And we've had some where we really thought, okay, this is not going to, um, this might not end well. We're always hopeful, but some of you, you are a little bit doubtful. But we've never found a seal on the beach that's clearly been entangled before, cut loose, and hasn't survived. So it's, it's not to say it hasn't happened. Statistically, we should have found something by now because we are out there so often and this is their, their home patch. Um, so I, I do believe the success rate is, is actually really, really good, judging also by the amount of recaptures we see. We're seeing 15, 20 recaptured seals every single day uh, that we're out there at the point. We, we're seeing them all the time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing is, the things that concerning there is, is if you're seeing a lot of recaptures, but your numbers are still increasing, not increasing. I mean, I know it was the highest in the first year, and then you're, you know, you're, you're pretty much on a trajectory for being for increasing, catching more seals than you did last year. This year, there's 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 a bit of a concern that this, you know, you're doing an amazing work, you're rescuing all these seals, but the numbers don't significantly change year after year. So in that case, like perhaps, you know, maybe looking at the problem as a whole is something that perhaps could get it a bit more better solved. So my point being is, you know, the ocean debris situation is probably quite, is, is, is quite bad. I mean, that's, that's, that's an understatement of the century. But you know, in terms of maybe, I know at the end of one of your videos, you said you want to like to actually tag these seals to know where the ones you've recaptured, you know, see where they go, look at the stats there in terms of, you know, looking where the debris is, what what areas are affecting, what type of a debris is it, you know, that type of study in terms of analyzing the ocean debris solution situation as a solution. Um, have you looked at that at all? Have you gotten research inquiries? Um, we are keeping, um, Tony does that, we're keeping track of, uh, of all the rescues, we're keeping track of, uh, you know, the, the age of the animal, the severity of the entanglement, the kind of the entanglement, uh, so, so we do have all the data, and anybody, any scientist who's interested in, in taking this further um, can just contact us and we're happy um, to just give all the information out, we're not sitting on it, and we want it to be used as much as possible. The same with our pictures, we're sitting on, on amazing footage, um, we, we, we always say we, we're giving um, we're giving this this horrible situation a really cute face, um, so it's great it's it's great for awareness because we are, we are not none of us are scientists, um, so we we can't do the studies we can't take it further, uh, but we're very happy to to pass it on to anybody who works in that field and we've had quite a few people who have contacted us and they want to work with with this kind of data, and and hopefully it will be channeled into the uh, uh, into the right hands. Because we, we we can't change policies. That the policy a lot of policies are also actually already in place. Um, this marine littering is completely illegal. That nobody's allowed to do that, and nobody cares. They'll just do it anyways. So there's no enforcement. So there's no political will behind uh, behind enforcing the situation, and that is uh, that is really difficult. And and especially with um, uh, entanglements, you, you just need you just need so little plastic to to cause so much damage. It's very difficult to uh, to really. Um, stop that to really uh, change that we, we are working on a, on a small scale obviously um, we're working on our own little solution here we, we, we've got a very active fishing industry here in Namibia and we are um, sort of uh, moving a little bit into into recycling and we want to specifically target the fishing industry so it's uh, we, we're still very quiet about it because we're still playing around but we've got uh, we've got some very exciting um, recycling machines on the way to us uh, hopefully already in the country and, and the hope is to to get a lot of the fishing equipment, a lot of the discarded fishing gear or what would have ended up as discarded fishing gear 
um, to us before it ends up in the ocean and then uh, turn it into uh, hopefully community uh, products, jungle gyms for the kids or starting school desks. School desks, because we, we're probably going to start with a, a simply, a, a, like slightly simpler project of doing proper clipboards um, for, for the children, just something to, to, to show the, the people who, who can stop the littering. Just bring it back. Just give it to us. We collect it. We turn it into something good for your children. You know, just just to, to start the thinking process because it's it's really it's uh, uh, there are no rules out there at sea. Everybody throws everything around and and nobody nobody stops that. It's it's really not an issue for for the people who are responsible. That needs to change. Mm. No, sorry. No, I thought you had something to add. No. Um. So in that scenario, oh, it's it's sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I can talk for hours. You let me. <laughs> But the thing is, it's 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 really interesting because I mean, one of my 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 next questions would have been, you know, what what does the what is the pragmatic approach to this? So, for of course, you know, most people would say, you know, why are these people discarding this 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 you know this waste into the ocean? It's it's terrible. It's you know there should be regulation against this. Oh, there is regulation against this. Okay, I mean it should be enforced. It's like okay, you know, how practical is to enforce this? There's a lot of questions in terms of how this actually goes about being done. Like one of these ways is actually starting it before it stops. Like you suggested, a recycling you know action actually in incentivizes people to not throw it into the ocean in the first place. Is there other pragmatic ideas of going about this? Because you know, I'd imagine, obviously speaking from a complete layman's terms, um, you know, I'd imagine the, the the debris that gets sent to the Namibian coast isn't only from Namibia. So it doesn't matter if Namibia increases and for, uh, you know, in, in enforces the laws or perhaps even incentivizes fishing as well. I'm assuming that gets, you know, debris from a different side as well. What are the pragmatic you know, uh, approaches on a larger scale in terms of being able to solve this? Is it trying to get every country to be involved as in recycling as well? Or is it education? Have you looked at that at all? The, 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 the recycling is just treating right, right now very essential, but still treating a symptom. Um, it's to get to the root um, education very much too, but it, it, at the end of the day, um, it boils largely down to economics people need to be held massively accountable. Imagine, I always like to think a perfect scenario would be a ship, a fishing boat going out to sea, um, gets checked before it leaves. It, it has, say, 500 tons of net on board. When that boat comes in again, if that boat does not have exactly 500 tons of net on board, there are massive fines for every, kilometer, every kilogram that are unaccounted for. Same with fishing lines, same with hooks anything fishing straps the straps that are such a big issue for us and there just needs to be stronger laws and much stronger penalties in place again this is a very idealistic approach because to to enforce that is so difficult but it's a um, um education unfortunately yes for our, for our next generation absolutely i do believe kids are a lot more receptive to to educational outreach but um, for the old fisherman, his life doesn't change whether he brings that piece of line home or chucks it overboard. So, um, unfortunately, um, I think economics are, are going to be the, the final the final say then. I mean, I mentioned education specifically because I know that your organization also focuses on teaching, um, you know, youth correct environmental practices and environmental habits. You know, what, what exactly does the organization do in terms of the, the education and the way that it's involved in that area? 
Well, at the moment, too little, uh, but that is very uh, that that is uh, very much the result of the, the Corona situation. Um, so it's very difficult to reach out when you are not allowed to go anywhere. Uh, Namibia has been hit very hard with Corona, uh, and uh, the people people have gotten very sick here. We've got, we had a very high uh, infection rate, so uh, that that has restricted us a lot to what we're doing right now, Zoom. Um, so we've, we've done uh, Nadia has done um, quite a few. Uh, uh, online classes with kids actually from all over the world, which is really interesting and a lot of fun to do. Um, so that's great. Um, but the, the plan is very much to, to go out here and not, not just to beach cleanups because it's the same thing. It's just, again, treating the symptom. We need to, we need to go much, uh, much further and, and, uh, and prevent all of this from happening. Namibia is a country where it's really normal. You drive, you drive, drive down the road, you've got a car in front of you and the car just, they open the window and just chuck a, a um, takeaway container out of the window. And, and nobody seems to think that this is funny or weird. It's it's normal. So you you have the exact same attitude at sea or anywhere else, um, and that that is a big problem. So that needs to change, and that that obviously starts at a, at a very early age. So uh, it is our plan to to work a lot more with the schools and go in there right from the beginning, especially especially when our plastic recycling machines are here, and 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 teach everybody that plastic is is. It's not just cheap, it's also a really important resource. And the way we're treating it is, is, is horrible. We're going to run out at some stage. Uh, and what we've got out there, we might as well recycle that. Because if you don't recycle it, it will break down in, for the next hundreds of years. And that will be a big issue that I, I really believe is, is not uh, addressed enough. The whole microplastic situation is very serious. Um, we're all going to uh, still feel the consequences of that um, on a dimension that I think we, we can't even comprehend yet. So yeah, we've done we've done a couple of beach cleanups, a couple of Zoom sessions, um, and as soon as we can, we wanna we wanna really go out there and uh, and catch catch the kids while you while you can still educate them, and that those children will go home and uh, they will challenge their parents to behave better. We've got some we've got some amazing kids here. We've seen that whenever we do go out, it's they they want to learn and they want to live in a clean environment and they they wanna they they want to have a better world. So they must just go home and tell their parents. They must demand it from them. They messed it up, so now they, they can help with a cleanup. So we can utilize all that power. So Yeah, and they're incredibly motivated as well. I mean, these children, if you think always. about it, this. Sorry, go ahead. I'm just saying they're always. The, the kids are so receptive to it. We've, we've had nothing but amazing experiences with these kids. Um, wherever, uh, whether it's at schools, on the beach, anything it can be horrible weather. These kids are so pumped to, to go and clean up and... Um, and yeah, we it, it's a pleasure to work with them, and you really hope that uh, by driving this in enough that that it goes home and they can, and that it, it spreads out. That's kids of the future. It's their planet that's that that's our generation is destroying. So yeah, and as and as like I said, I mean, it's it's so it's got such a huge effect because I mean, definitely there's an education element in terms of littering, you know, and looking at their. Uh, caring for environment in the immediate sense but in the futuristic sense a lot of these kids that get proper education are also perhaps you know going to be the scientists that develop you know the new biodegradable plastics for example you know solving it on, on a slightly of a bigger scale in terms of um, providing opportunities for these children and looking forward in terms of their you know their progress what have you observed you know non-government organizations and specifically governmental involvement especially in non-profit organizations you know looking at providing these type of opportunities for these children that are so motivated to change their country no oh, that's difficult um as an organization uh, this, uh, what 
like participation within our organization is 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 very difficult. Um, we we get requests every single day. People want to volunteer and they want to they want to come along, and I I understand that. But we have to be very careful with with the motives because we've got such a huge social media reach. People are are looking for for quick fame. They're looking for that <laughs> moment when you are out there and you're cutting off that entanglement and uh, and that the seal runs wild and free and that everybody's looking for this feel good moment. But but the truth is that there's a lot of work that goes into this, and it also gets very very dangerous. So we volunteers at this stage is 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 unfortunately not an option for us. Our rescue vehicle is full. We can't take extra people out there. Every single extra person adds so much stress. Uh, and also the other thing is you you've you've clearly watched a lot of the videos. It gets very scary out there, and we can't get to a point where we have to you know, rescue, okay, we, today we're only doing the small ones because we've got a volunteer with us or we're getting somebody uh, that we literally have to babysit out there um, and make sure that nobody is, is, is taking chances or doing dangerous things. So it's a it's a really difficult situation. We did have an, a Namibian intern. She uh, She is a student here at, uh, at, Namib uh, at Namibian University and she stayed with us for a couple of months and that was great. She's busy writing a paper on the entanglements with our data. Uh, shame she she got a computer stolen so she had to start yeah she had to start from scratch again uh, poor Kerstin but that was actually really nice for us to 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 get a local involvement and that is really essential when the time comes and we can take volunteers because we, we are a rescue short or somebody's on leave or whatever reason we have it's, it's going to be somebody local it's going to be a Namibian person because there's also it's, it's in, in, in Europe and in, in, in America and anywhere in the first world, you've got a lot of organizations who do this kind of stuff. But in the third world, those organizations are very rare. So we can't complain that we don't have environmentalists and conservationists if we don't help, you know, creating the next generation. So on that line, we're very much interested in, uh, in bringing uh, uh, Namibian youth in. So that's definitely a thing. And for now, if it's not the seal rescues, it's definitely... The, the cleanups and I think the, the plastic workshops will be a huge hit. When we, when we tell the kids um, a week before we come with our machines, we tell them, listen, you bring us a shampoo bottle and you bring us uh, whatever you can find in the rubbish that has this specific plastic sign. And then they can see what you can actually make out of it, that it's actually a resource, not just, not just rubbish. And even though we are only recycling a very small amount of plastic, then it starts the thinking process. And people will realize that this is actually something uh, that, that needs to happen a lot more. It gets it gets the ball rolling exactly in that way. So I mean, like you said, you know, initially at the start, it really is a drug. You know, it really is going out. You know, making this happen is is definitely something that makes you feel extremely good. And therefore, I can definitely understand that most people would like to come as volunteers in terms of making the difference. But for those that are motivated, that do have the good intentions, how can they realistically and possibly support um, ocean conservation in Namibia and and other organisations like in their area? Because I mean, there's like you said, there's a lot of conservation companies and organisations and charities and people want to make sure that they help the ones that really make a difference and in your case you're extremely open and broad about this you can see the videos you can see the work that you're doing so it's easy to be able to support you so in what way is the best way to support you then if they couldn't be volunteers pick up rubbish god pick up rubbish pick up rubbish and clean up because if, if if something is clean it's very difficult to be the first person to litter but if there's already a, a heap of rubbish it's fine you just throw another one on there so when, when people say that they want to they want to start something. They, we're very open how we sort of fell into the situation. It was never planned like this. And we're loving every moment, but we didn't know we're getting there. So people ask us, how did you get there? And how can I do this? And we always say the same thing. 
look around what's right right around you. It doesn't have to be seal rescues. You can rescue anything. And if it's cute, make videos, <laughs> maybe you go the same way. It doesn't really matter. But but start right where you are. Pick up that rubbish. Teach, teach others to pick up rubbish. Go to your local shelter. Help out there. People who want to be involved in bettering the world are in high demand at the moment. And if you show a little bit of potential, you will find your organization. You will find your, 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 your calling. Mm. Exactly, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's really helpful. Go ahead. No, I'm saying, like I said, you can really, wherever you are, big city, small town, there are animal shelters, there are places. You can find a little piece of forest, go walk in there. You will find either clean, dirty and clean it up or find an animal in need. But there's always, if people want to help, they can start with their own surroundings, build up from there, and you will be able to, to find your way to, to make a difference. Well, I just want to say you're definitely way too humble, so I'll just say it for you. Please, by all means, for all of those who are watching and made it this far, go check out their YouTube channel if you want to feel great. And then, of course, you know, check the links in the description below that, follow them on social media, and then look at the donation links. They often provide some sort of way in which you can financially and meaningfully contribute to the work that they do, and of course, the companies that they support as well. So definitely in that regard, um, go check them out. It just feels great as well and looks, you know, Looks, it feels good to see good work being done as well. I just want to give you a last opportunity if there's anything you want to add, anything you want to plug, anything else you want to say. Just a, a thank you, actually. A thank you for, for everybody who's, who's actually uh, supporting us uh, by watching the videos, by sharing it, by, by you know, sending us emails to, to, support, uh, to, to support what we're actually doing. We, we wouldn't have been able to do what we're doing um, if it wasn't for so much support. Um, and and on, a, on, a, on a very personal level, there's, there's so much horrible stuff happening all over the world. But like from our side, we, we're living in a complete bubble because we, we, we're seeing the, the positivity that's coming our way in spite of dealing with horrible entanglements. We see how much demand there is to, to better this world. Um, there's, a, there's a massive drive towards protecting the environment at the moment. And I think we are a, a, a symptom of that. We, we have so much outreach because people are craving this. And this is making us incredibly hopeful. We are living on a, in a time of, of um, like a, an awakening consciousness, especially when it comes to um, or like a shift in consciousness. Basically, worldwide, people are becoming more environmentally aware, aware of the surroundings, aware people like Greta Thunberg and Sea Shepherd and things are just hammering this on us all the time that we are in trouble unless we start making drastic change. And there is this global shift right now. So it's an exciting time to be alive. Um, they, it's really nice to be a part of this change. And uh, we, we really just hope that this gathers momentum and that people don't get distracted by celebrity breaking a toe or something. Um, and we just we need to get this. Now's our chance. Uh, people are listening to, 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 to get this ball rolling. And, and, and we need to act before it's too late on, on a global scale. Yeah, like you said, luckily, you know, if, if, if you rescue, if you help something and it's cute, take a video for awareness. Luckily, cute videos garner almost as much attention as celebrity breaking a toe. So in that regard, we've got something going for us, at least in the, this project. Um, but from my side, thank you so much for, you know, taking this opportunity, talking to us and explaining some of the nuances of the business that, you know, some of the realities of the business that people might not have looked at before. So I mean, the, the core message is make a difference in your area. Make it, just start today. If you feel you have a motivation, just start doing it as well. So thank you so much from our side. And you know, if you've what if you've made it this far, of course, and if you believe in the message that, that Nadia and Katya are sharing, please by all means share this video. It obviously helps us out as a YouTube channel as well, but it just shares their perspective with this world. So thank you so much for watching. This has been Worldview.